It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Natalie Lander. Voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others, you are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good evening and welcome to the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst, and you should actually be able to understand me this week. I know. Crazy thing that is, huh? Okay, so we figured out that there may have been some bugs in the machine, as it were. Some wires got crossed, or perhaps didn't get crossed. And you guys would probably have a very difficult time understanding everybody not named Eric on this show the last couple of weeks. We apologize for that. We believe we have it fixed. Hopefully, we'll see what happens going forward. And with that being said, it is now time to bring in the regular cast of characters. What was that, Eric? Someone was asking me a question, and I specifically had that so that way it wouldn't go on air so you could keep doing your spiel. (laughs) I didn't realize you muted your microphone. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) For those wondering, we're doing this via video chat, and I saw Eric answer a question, and I got confused. I should probably turn on my camera so that way you guys can see me. It might help. Uh, All right. Anyway. So this particular episode of the kickoff is going to be one that we've debated whether or not we wanted to do and realized, given the circumstances, we kind of have to do. This is Let's Talk About It, part two. Let's introduce the cast of characters. The voice you've already heard is the executive producer and your anchorman, Eric Watkins. If I can stay classy W2M, so can you. The unprofessional... Jason, you're my boy, Lou. Seasley. Glad to be here. Might be intoxicated by the end, which is no surprise. His appearance brought to you by Lou Will's Lemon Pepper Wings, where you can only find at Magic City in Atlanta. Go for the wings, stay for the breast and thighs. And there is Randy Isbell. I will not be intoxicated, and that should not surprise anybody as well, but I am ready to talk about it. All right, so a couple of weeks ago, we did the Let's Talk wait, About wait, Conversation with regards no. to the whole social no, justice movement, the, back, the Black Lives Matter movement. This particular instance is going to see us expand upon that, as we will once again bring the coronavirus conversation back into things as well. We did an episode about that about, what was it, Eric, a month and a half, two months ago or so? They're about seven, eight weeks-ish. Well, that's... At seven, eight uh, shows ago, I mean, that was back before we had a competent producer. Uh, We had those hiatus weeks. Well, I mean, to be fair to that producer, we'd get echo like a bitch on those episodes. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, but we're on to the next episode every week. We are. Hey, 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 hey. 
we are uh, we are much more consistent these days. And actually, you guys are going to get two episodes of the kickoff this week. We'll tell you more about that a little bit later in the broadcast. And it yes, was a I... quick interlude. Mama Watkins says hi, and she just gave me a weird look as I did that. So yeah, because <laughs> she 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 knows she knows she knows about Lou. No, no, she doesn't. Although there's been some very interesting conversations we've had about WAP, but I'll save those for off-air. The views and opinions of Mama <laughs> Pop. <laughs> Worth it? All right, let's move on here. Um, real quick, before we go any further, I want to state unequivocally for the record, that the views and opinions expressed in this episode are solely those of the person presenting them and do not necessarily reflect the W2M network as a whole. Things got a little controversial on the last episode. They'll probably get a little controversial again tonight. Especially if somebody continues drinking a little bit of the bubbly. It's a little bit of the bubbly. Look, if I can get through this after having vodka... Everyone else can, bubbly or no bubbly. Sorry, Randy, I couldn't help it. I had to. I'm so disappointed in you, Harry. <laughs> you expect that from Jason, not so much from me. All right, anyway. Um, to kind of change course, though, from the original versions of Let's Talk About It, this particular version is going to focus on stories from the news desk with our own added insights, opinions, as well as relevant conversation to the topics at hand. In order to do that, we have to go to the Anchorman. Eric, the floor is yours. Well, for those of you that know, in between renditions of Let's Talk About It, I've had a propensity to tweet out interesting ideas. The recent developments in the realm of college football have given me yet another interesting idea. First, the setup. While certainly not unanimous, especially from the reports on the Big Ten side, and the rumors about what went on in behind the scenes in the Big 12, we're basically going to have a split football season. In the Power Five, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have decided to push on and play a fall season, whereas the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to the spring. Similar divide in the group of five, where the MAC and Mountain West are going in the spring, whereas the American, Conference USA, and Sunbelt are playing fall schedules. Now, for the Power Five, my idea is this. For those of you who watch soccer, especially in towards Mexico and places south, you'd be familiar with the Apertura and Clausura format, two split seasons played throughout one season. Well, my idea that I had was this. You have those conference champions who played in the fall play against each other. Your conference champions of those who play in the spring play each other. And the winner of those two play for your national championship. I I get the idea behind it. The problem is, is I think that that would put the teams that win the title in the fall season at a significant disadvantage True. because there would be a there would be a definite rust factor. 
Also, I worry, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine. I'm going to go ahead and discuss it. Um, his name is Patrick Ketza. I used to do a podcast here on the W2M network with him called Wrestling Unwrapped. And he had the conversation of how will graduation affect the spring season? Because some of these kids might be graduating before or during the season if they play in the spring. And how would that affect their eligibility? Which I definitely think can be brought into question as well. With regards to the split championship, I think it's just going to end up being a case of split division, split championships for the actual 2020 season. I mean, honestly, going as far as to call it the 2020-2021 season, if you're going to have both fall of 2020 and spring of 2021. Randy? Uh, Honestly, I'm kind of against Eric's idea for a lot of what Harry said about, I mean, having the national championship after that, it does really mess up the guys that play in the fall. Add on the graduation, the draft is going to mess up a lot of this stuff, especially for these schools that are playing in the spring. I would not be surprised if a lot of players in the Pac-12 or the 10 decide just not to play in the spring and just go, we'll, we'll just do the combine and we won't worry about it. So I, obviously those conferences are trying to make best of a, a shitty situation, but I don't think we see a national championship game, guys. I, I know that they canceled everything else in the fall, but they don't really have the authority really to cancel football because it's a whole different thing. But I, I don't think we're going to have a recognized national champion this year with everything being split. It's probably going to take us back into into the pre-BCS era of the uh, national polls deciding your national champions and potentially having a split national championship. Maybe the AP poll does the fall season and the USA Today poll does the uh, does the spring season. Jason, your thoughts on going to a two-to-one championship season mm-hmm. and if there should be a recognized national champion for 2020-2021? Yeah, I mean, I think your idea of the dual champion, a fall and spring champion, uh, does make a lot of sense. Um, I never really thought about it until you just brought it up. But I think I think it's going to create more headache and turmoil than anything because, uh, like Randy said, you're going to have a lot of athletes may opt out because, you know, you've got a lot of – this is one of the better draft classes uh, that's being highly touted uh, with a lot of – a lot of key players such as Trevor Lawrence coming out that a lot of people have their eyes on. So um, I see a lot of players possibly opting out, just doing a combine and uh, trying to raise their draft stock that way and just resting their bodies for a season because what good would it do to play the season now and risk injury and get, get hurt and totally tank your draft status? I, I have to say, I have to say, Jason, you and I have been agreeing way too much the last couple episodes. We got to fix that. I've tried. Uh, uh, I think I think it's because I get inebriated, and you know, I just agree with. <laughs> I, I agree with the the most likable person on the show, and I don't become argumentative. Oh. Okay, so Harry, can we make a rule that I get to be the only one who drinks? I mean, I tried to instill that role after the last time he got drunk on this podcast and everything went to hell in a handbasket, but nobody got yeah. You I'm were hammered. No, the, the, that show I was. That show I was. That show I was really stressed out, had a lot of stuff going on, and that was the longest show in podcast history. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I aged two years while laying in my floor trying to finish that show. 
It was an hour and a half. Yeah, which, while ironically, it was actually one of our shortest episodes of all time, but neither here nor there. To your guys' point about the players in the combine and the draft here, we've seen a record number of players already opt out of this season, both in college and in the pros. Look Mm -hmm. at um, Penn State star linebacker Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons opted out before the Big Ten even postponed to spring and said that that this virus has robbed Penn State of potentially the best team in school history. You can't that there aren't other Nittany Lions team that are going to look at their potential NFL draft stock and say, nope, this isn't worth it, even if it's a potential for a split national championship, because I'm putting millions of dollars at risk to get maybe injured in a spring football campaign that would have me not ready for training camp. Not to mention, because of all of the timing of this, and that's why if you go on my Twitter at Squid Sportshead, my original idea made a lot more sense then, and it's damn sure making a lot more sense now. Not just with these injuries and everything that are occurring this season, not just with what the NFL is going through as far as scouting, potential timing of the draft, etc., all of those on top of that, Look at what happened with the linemen from the University of Indiana and what's going on with the pitcher uh, Rodriguez with the Red Sox. Not only are you looking at a football injuries that could be suffered during the season, the long-term effects if, worst-case scenario, one of these athletes does get COVID. We're just now scratching the surface of seeing effects like myocarditis, which is a lifetime problem. So now, instead of a draft stock just plummeting, now you have a minimal chance of even having a career whatsoever. So yes, with some reports and scouts and ADs saying there could be as many as 1, 200, or even more players opting out, I personally think that's reasonable for the every reason that you guys just mentioned just real quick the thing that i wanted to touch on here is for the non-medically inclined listening to the show right now myocarditis is literally a swelling of the heart that is a lifetime ailment and will disqualify you in most instances from playing professional sports Mm -hmm. the bit the big 10 has noticed in its uh medical for the, the players that had tested positive for COVID-19 during training camps and stuff with their respective schools, that five different players had shown sign, early signs of myocarditis. So this isn't, just a, this isn't just a game thing. This is a life thing that we're putting these kids at risk for. For what? So that way the NCAA and the FCS, or not the FCS, and the FBS and the, uh, the college football playoff can make a few bucks. It's not worth it. Not at all. And they even measured, yes, we're going to be losing as a conference, just the Big Ten alone, $700 million by not having a fall season. But at the same time, what is our level of liability if anything happens? And this will go on to the next sort of story that I wanted to talk about. Allow me. Segway! Thank you kindly. Now... With those conferences that had put out schedules and those that didn't, there was a tremendous groundswell on both sides of players expressing their desire either to play during the fall season or not to play. It started with the Pac-12, went on to the Big Ten, 
There were movements in the SEC and even going to the group of five in the American Athletic Conference. These players got together, spoke with the conference leaders and said, we want to be safe. We want to be protected on both fronts, not just COVID, but also with the resulting things with racial injustice as well. And from the reports that came out in the two weeks leading up to the cancellations, it really wasn't good anyways. So this is really kind of a blessing in disguise because players were going to look to opt out regardless. And you had some coaches and some in those schools that really weren't happy about it. Uh, Jason, I'll let you lead off here. Your thoughts on the player movement for a stronger influence towards the way their games and their seasons are controlled? Well, I mean, um, I I, I support it. Uh, I think these kids, uh, some of these kids are, you know, immature and everything. But you got to take a look. Uh, Athletes as a whole, you know, there are some key athletes that uh, are going to go on to the next level, and they have to think about their future. Yes, getting a college education is a wonderful thing for free and going to a prestigious university, but to take that second level and, you know, see prosperity is a key factor. Even uh, going into the workplace after college, if you don't go to the NFL, you know, you're going to enter to the quote-unquote adult world, and you have to have that that mentality. So I'm all for it. Randy, are you surprised we're seeing players stepping up and taking a more active role in the considerations as to how their college experience is handled? It's actually kind of surprising. It hasn't happened before, but I mean, it makes sense with, with the way the world is right now with a bunch of the movements you've seen over the last couple of years. And then with COVID happening, it just seems like we're, we're all bored. So it's, it's, it's time to just take your stand on, on what you believe in and you have nothing else to do. So it, with everything that's been going on in college football, again, I'm so surprised that it's, it's taking until now for all of this to happen. But hopefully uh, COVID could be a little bit of a blessing here and we can just use that as an excuse to cancel this season. And then you have a whole year to work on all of the stuff that the players want and really kind of come up with a new system that everyone benefits from. Go ahead, Jason. I've got, but I've got a, I've got a dovetail into that. But where does it start? Uh, does this mean college athletes as a whole, or just college football? Uh, you don't see the NCAA basketball follow, or the uh, college baseball softball season, because uh, a little do people realize, uh, and you know, this is something that um, I've learned because my niece is a predominant softball player in the state of Ohio. Uh, soft, collegiate softball is a much bigger thing than what people actually realize. It's, you know, it's bigger than college baseball. Uh, it generates more revenue. Um, so you, you got to take a look. Is this going to go across the board or do you think it's just going to be concentrated to sports specific? Well, I was actually going to kind of bring Eric into this conversation here because this actually ties into a news bit that we saw from the NCAA recently, Eric. You're and absolutely I, correct. Go ahead. 
I will let I will let you go ahead and give the specifics here. But the NCAA has actually recently voted to approve to allow universities to compensate their athletes, even to the forms of cash benefits. Not just the NCAA. This is what is the second ever Supreme Court ruling that is significant in terms of how the NCAA operates. The first being the ruling back in 1984 to the original College Football Association getting control of television rights back from the NCAA. Now what this does, on the heels of different states implementing name, image, and likeness rules, Florida being the first, California and others following suit within the next couple of years, the Supreme Court, the higher court, ruled that there can be no limit on what schools can provide both education supplies benefits etc and that in placing any sort of limit would be unfair now to jason's point there are some schools to where basketball is king there's a lot of schools out west and now in the midwest and even in the sec where college softball, especially with its reintroduction of softball into the Olympics, is a much, much bigger deal. And because all of the smaller Olympic sports were getting cut, these players can now have just as many benefits, can get their own piece of the pie, as well as being able to combine that with name, image, and likeness if they happen to do anything of their own. So you are seeing significant steps, not just for football players, not just for basketball players, the true money-making machines for the school, but those who would normally be left behind regardless. See, I see a problem with that, though, and that, A, the, uh, the underfunded sports as well that don't have the kind of representation that the big four do. Let's be honest. The big four sports when it comes to college are football, basketball, baseball, and softball. Oh, no. Not even big four. Try big two. Football, men's Obviously. basketball, everything else in a distance. Because college softball and baseball, you're not even getting full scholarships as a headcount sport. You're only allocated the equivalent of so many full scholarships, and you have to distribute that partially to among every member of your roster. My other question about this would be, are schools going to be allowed to sell the usage of the likeness of these players to um, sponsors and stuff, where the, the, the student receives a stipend from them selling the, the likeness in order to, but the school still gets a cut? that's actually a little bit that's kind of a combination of the two if anything with the school that they do something they would be able to give those benefits but with specific name image and likeness the school cannot directly provide those avenues they cannot stop the student from getting those avenues themselves so say if you had situations with a booster or with local businesses. They would be able to step in and negotiate some sort of deals. They would be legit, but the school in that aspect could not. So it's kind of two separate avenues, but students would be able to take advantage of both. Jason, we've discussed pay-to-play on this show before. 
has how are your thoughts on it right now i i mean i i'm still murky i mean um being a former college athlete myself i mean i see i've seen both sides uh, i've seen the the good side the bad side and everything in between i uh, was i did play uh, i was a walk-on at a small college here in west virginia uh nai school um so it's kind of a um I think you should be compensated to a point. Uh, yeah, you do get the argument of, well, you get a free education. Yeah, but, and yeah, you could take that education and run with it, but the school benefits so much off of certain sports, such as college football, primarily. And, you know, and you only get, and the athletes themselves only get, a very small percentage benefit. So I, I'm I'm for it to an extent. I'm not for it. I'm not going to back it 100%, but I do like the progression. Randy, you haven't had a chance to give your thoughts on this before. What are your thoughts on the pay-to-play, and especially now that we're seeing it expanded into even further op- opportunities for athletes to pro- profit off of their image and likeness? Yeah, I've always thought that, that at least at minimum, the athletes should be able to, as you said, profit off of their likeness i mean i've never understood that with the whole amateur sports that you can't make because to me making money off your license is not making money off the sport you're not paid to play you're getting paid for yourself yes you're getting paid because of what you do on the field but it's it's something completely different not that you're going out and playing a game in the nfl and then coming and playing for oklahoma the next week to me it's completely different it gets a little slippery if if we start coming up with salaries and stuff for players. I, I do believe that they should be compensated a little bit more than the scholarship for, like Jason said, for how much money they are making in the NCAA. But as far as the likeness and stuff goes, I thought it should be that way a long time ago. And for a selfish reason, too, I, I want my NCAA football video game back, damn it. I was yeah, just that was, that was so good. I was just about to ask, do you think pay-to-play means a return to the NCAA football series? I, I'm praying. I really hope that those games are always better than Madden. I have to say, I love the recruiting and doing all that stuff on there, so I just want that back. But, and, and the larger picture, and not the selfish reason, I see no issue with a player being able to to make money off of his likeness. And if that becomes a selling point from a school that, hey, you know, you come here, you're going to be seen on TV more. You're going to get more endorsement deals. It, it comes a little issue as far as as com- competitions goes, but it's been shown that the NCAA is so sleazy and gross about that anyway, so why not make it legitimate or as legitimate as you can? I saw you, Jason, but give me a chance to say what I wanted to say to him real quick, though. Okay. I think that- I think that you're going to see a uh, further separation in the divide between the major schools and the minor schools, though, if that happens. The halves of college football, the universities that are on ESPN on the focus games, that are on the ABC Monday night or Saturday night games on a regular basis. Notre Dame, which has a national NBC contract to broadcast literally every game on its calendar except for the ones that are owned by other stations. 
that's going to give them a significant talent advantage and a significant recruitment advantage because of the fact that exactly what you said, it's going to be able to tell them that you can come here, you can be seen by a bigger audience, and in turn, being seen by that bigger audience opens up more opportunities for sponsors for you. But to be fair, I was going to say, but to be fair, that's already there. They're they're getting compensated for it, but that's already that divide's already there. And if it gets too wide, then you just make it another division. Not not instead of division two, division three, you can have four divisions of college football: the Power Five, the group, and then so on and so forth. And to kind of piggyback on Randy's point, real quick, he's absolutely right. And the fact that certain states are coming up with these NIL rules ahead of the NCAA, even the smaller schools in those states are going to get those advantages. And because of this existing talent gap and all of these things that have happened under the table, I go refer you to the SMU throughout the 80s. He's absolutely right. There were already talks of a collegiate champions league, a division four, et cetera, et cetera. So you're not creating that gap. You're just legitimizing it. Jason, do you think we end up seeing a full on separation between the group of five and the power and the power five? If that does happen? Yes. And I was going to, uh, you know, you was pretty much going down the, the route I was going on. And I just want to, uh, you know, give a little bit more uh, information how I want to present this. Uh, And, you know, a a proposal that if that does occur, what may change um, is, you know, it does create a bigger divide because you do see recruitment um, being spurned. You know, we just discussed this previously. Uh, I think Eric brought up a story uh, a few, uh, quite a few episodes back, about Florida and California, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, being being ahead of the curve. Now, what I'll propose uh, now, if you do benefit this, and I'm pretty sure that there will be backlash, and you guys may not agree with me, uh, if you do benefit, go to college and benefit off of this, off of your likeness and everything. Uh, the one and done rule becomes non-existent. And you must be in college uh, for three years to see your return. Because if not, then you're going to tie up a lot of scholarships and stuff and a lot of money in players that uh, aren't going to give you a return. So I think there needs to be a give-to-get uh, mentality on that. So if you do go to that, to that system where you are rewarding players and that comes into a uh, recruitment thing, I think we need to uh, eliminate the one-and-done rule, and uh, collegiate athletes must be uh, either a certain age or a certain experience level before they can uh, opt out and enter in a, enter a professional draft. Well, I think that should be a rule regardless that you need to be a certain age in order to enter any of the major sports. This whole drafting kids out of high school and baseball is bad for the kids. This whole sending 18, 19-year-olds into the NBA is bad for the kids because they're not – they're not – what's the word I'm looking for here? They're not genetically capable of competing against guys of a larger size, of a larger build, of a larger – of a larger what? stature than uh, what they are, what they would and, be competing against in college. All right, hold on. All th- hold on, hold on. <laughs> All three of you wanted to respond to that, so we'll go in alphabetical order. Eric. Okay, number one, there is such a thing as far as the specific age 
with the current rules for NCAA basketball, either to go into the NBA, either one year out of high school, or I believe he's either age 18 or 19. There was already talks of getting rid of the one-and-done rule and going to a system similar to college baseball, where that already exists. In baseball, if you set foot into your first collegiate class, you are locked in for three years. Otherwise, you're drafted out of high school. And let's be fair, and when you're out of high school, look at all the developmental baseball leagues that you have to go through to get through the majors. Everything from the Arizona Fall League to one of my favorites, the New York Penn League, all the way to the Southern League where I'm in, etc., etc., etc. There's a good five or six levels before you get to the majors. And as you say with basketball, you're not looking at the physicality to where you're going up against much bigger guys and bigger centers as you were in the 90s and early 2000s. The game has fundamentally changed to where speed and outside shooting is more favorable. So you have had, and you will have again, a lot of guys at 18 or 19 that can immediately compete and go in the NBA. Those who don't, they are now being quicker to either sign G League contracts or go overseas and play in either European or in Australian leagues for a year, get that experience, and then jump to the NBA. So times are entirely different in that regard. I agree, okay. but it's a whole big can of worms. Okay, two things, and then we'll go to Jason's thoughts on what I just said there. One... You just hit me right in the heartstrings with the New York Penn League, Mahoning Valley Scrappers for life. Brooklyn Cyclones, bro. Two, I will agree that the game has changed, but I do think that the physicality of an 82-game season when these kids are used to only playing 30 games in high school and then maybe 40 tops in college, it wears on them and it causes them to break down. You see it throughout the course of the calendar years of deterioration in their in their performances. Now that so is I do true. think that I think there needs to be a scale level in order to keep these kids from coming out so young and so early that their bodies aren't adjusted to being able to handle a full 82 game schedule without ending up with major injuries. Jason, your thoughts. Now, see, uh, I'm going to go at it from a physiological standpoint because, um, you That's know, a big word for drinking. <laughs> uh, well, this is going to be a big thought for, for uh, the bubbly too, uh, the human brain does not genetically uh, mature until age 25. So therefore, you're not mentally equipped uh, until growing, expanding, and forming itself until you are of age 25. Yes, I took psychology, sociology, and a lot of other ologies that have given me this information. And yes, uh, sometimes I sound coherent even when drinking. So, I mean, mental, you're not mentally capable of functioning as an adult uh, until you do get some age on you. So I look at it from that standpoint as being equipped to be thrust into an adult world when you're, when you're genetically not capable of processing what's going on around you. Randy, your thoughts on 
the sociology and psychology of it all. And that's where you hope that these kids are getting the help around them. Obviously, in a lot of situations in sports, some of these kids that come up and use football or basketball as a way to get to the pros have not come up in, in the best of lifestyles, and that's their way out. So they're always surrounded by people that aren't always out for their best interest. But I was going to exactly what, what Eric said with the way that baseball does it. I think that especially if college sports go the route of allowing to make money on your likeness and stuff, that you have two different avenues. You can go to college and get your education. But like, like he said, once you step in foot, you're in for three seasons. That's the choice you chose. If you go pro, the NBA is doing a lot better with the vegan stuff. Yes, Harry, I agree with you that kids are not built for 82 games. Hopefully those teams understand that and they start them in those G leagues if they get them out of high school and, and let them build that way. So there's different avenues you can go. It's like the game of life where you get to that point where you can take the career or education. That education is such a ripoff in that game. <laughs> you mean like real but life? No, I'm help. not salty yes. because I have a degree. We, Damn we, higher level academia system. Poor Eric sounds like he needs a drink right now. I could go and get one if you're willing to stall for a couple of minutes. Well, unfortunately, we just we just finished this particular topic, and it's time to move to the next one. Well, the good news is, along with this... Good news, everybody! <laughs> Good news, everyone! Congress is actually going to do something about this, maybe! On the heels of the Supreme Court ruling with the level of benefits, there are senators, yes, primarily Democratic senators, those of you take that for what you will, that are beginning to push, with the NCAA going to them for help, with previous mentions of intervention in the past, now this is going to be slightly more potential intervention, but this time based upon in favor of the student. As you have these senators starting to frame together what would it be a college athlete's bill of rights. This is something that if you go to these combined systems, like how you have with football three years after high school, baseball three seasons, What's been bandied about with basketball, a minimum of two seasons. I think this would create a nice bridge during that college development as you were in that middling frame before going professional. All right, you may go get your drink now. We'll go around on the Bill of Rights and come back to you when you get back. Randy, do you think that the NCAA specifically and universities in general have to do a better job of protecting the athletes that they bring in to serve the purposes of the university itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that should be a university's job with every student they have, period. I mean, not let alone somebody, these athletes that are bringing in millions and millions and millions of dollars for them. I, I will say as a, as a personal note, I just did my college student orientation today and, and check that out. And I, I like one of the things that they talked about was with all the COVID stuff and everything going on, 
they're doing this measure and this measure and this measure. They're, they're completely here to make sure everything is right for the students and stuff. And as long as the students work with them, they have all of these, these things in place. I don't understand how that's not a thing for athletes. It, it is for all these other students. I got this whole list of things that my little small NAIA college is going to do for me as a normal basic student that's not going to bring anything to them. And here you are with all these football guys and basketball guys and all these athletes that are bringing in millions upon millions of dollars. And we have to go to Congress for them to get some rights and protected by the school that they're bringing money in for. Jason, have we finally hit the error where the athlete has more power than the university? I don't think so, but I th- think it's uh, fastly approaching. I think we're a couple years away before that. Uh, just like, you know, we're in that um, in that lull of does the players have more pull than the owners in professional sports, and that's something we're, we're addressing currently in this current climate. So I think that on the collegiate level, we're approaching that quickly. But I think in the professional level, you're you're more along the lines of that becoming a reality than you are on the collegiate level. Um, Eric, there is a specific team in the NBA who would say that they definitely had more power than the owner did, and that would be the Los Angeles Clippers. Do you think we're getting to that point in college sports where the players have more powers than universities and the people above the mat said universities? Not entirely, although, like Jason said, I think we're starting to get closer because while you have the university still holding the majority of the power, that majority is much slimming, especially look at what's going on with students saying, hey, these are the kind of things we want. You have the creation of the transfer portal pushing for different rules and you could say that the genesis of this was the unionization attempt from northwestern several years ago so i think that you have this gubernatorial impetus this is going to be the major catalyst for reaching that point and i do think that we are going to get a professional collegiate singularity in this power structure to where At all levels, you're going to have the players have more power. But I think there's going to be a little bit of a lag. You're going to see that professionally more and more first, but your college is not going to be far behind. And to quickly add, 99 Vodka, I love you, but damn, your butterscotch is straight nasty. Had to mix it with something. Okay, a couple of things here. Eric busting out the $10 words while drinking, apparently. As I am somewhat wont to do, as you would say. Stepping on my gimmicks, man. (laughs) Not cool. Hey, you stepped on mine a couple times. Turnabout is fair play, Mr. Broadhurst. I will say I do love the fact that we're working at a Futurama reference on a regular basis now. That does make me smile. Ah, this is much better. Leave it to peach, raspberry, and butterscotch to make a very tantalizing combination for the taste buds. All right, let's move on before Eric gets himself too inebriated to facilitate this conversation any further. There, I bust out big words too. 
Oh, my mental acuity and faculties are just fine. Thank you very much. All right, so move on to the next story. <laughs> oh, hold right. on, hold on. I'm st- I'm still looking up that second word he said. I'm on dictionary. What are we talking about here? <laughs> Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? And, and for those of you who know me in real life, yes, what Randy just did is a very, very frequent occurrence. That's why I'm beating him on Chris. Alas. We've talked about the movement. We've talked about everything here going on. So now we're working at, well, a small residual aspect of this. Before the Mountain West decided to postpone their season, Steve Adazio at Colorado State was under quite a bit of pressure. What initially started as some issues dealing with, a la Gary Patterson at TCU, some racial undertones and treatment that soon blossomed into the school flouting their own COVID-19 protocols and putting the players at risk. So you could say in some ways this is good timing, but similar to an argument that Harry and I had previously, how are these schools fully going to treat this, not only playing in the fall, but if there are no further improvements going into what would be a spring season. Okay, first of all, for those of you who weren't able to understand what we said last week because of the audio difficulties, Gary Patterson, you fucking moron. Shut the fuck up. You can only slur your words if you're drunk, you fucker. Okay. Back to the conversation at hand here. Um, Wasn't there another school recently accused of doing this as well? Florida State within like the last 24 hours by players on Twitter? Yes. Of skirting their own COVID protocols? And that's been a little bit of a shambles even before this. There's been some underlying issues that were exposed, especially with the coaching staff. I mean, let's be honest here. It's Florida State. It's a junk university to begin with. Fair. I mean, hey, if you're a Floridian like I am, you know there ain't a lot of good coming out of Tallahassee right now. Mm, Ever, really. All right, Jason, I can see you scratching your head here, probably trying to figure out where you're going to join this conversation here. How far do you think we're going to have to go before we actually see a governing body step in and tell these schools, no, take the time to get your shit together and then play football, baseball, basketball, hockey, field hockey, golf when it's safe? It's not going to happen. That's a problem, isn't it? No, I don't see it as a problem. It's a governing body. I mean, unless there's a national mandate of anything, you're you're not going to be. Uh, I mean, you're not going to be able to um, intervene like that. Uh, I think it needs to be up to the colleges. I mean, I'm I'm all for, you know, your schools being able to decide what happens uh, on their campuses and stuff. Because, I mean. <clears throat> I'm not going to get political. Uh, this is a, this isn't a show that we get political on too often, unless I have to call certain ex-producers out and embarrass them on air, and have them backtrack like they're a defensive back for the Cowboys. Um, 
Uh, but so I, what you're saying is they get burned on a regular basis. Continue. Yeah, it's on the next episode of Hard Knocks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think you want to see a governing body uh, come in because you've got too many private sectors and boosters and stuff that have their hands in political gains for these things. Uh, a lot of your major colleges have political ties uh, that's going to help. Uh, skew things like that. So no, I don't think that there's going to be a governing body that intervenes. Randy, do you think we have to reach the point where somebody does intervene in order to make sure that these schools are compliant with the requirements in order to keep their seasons running safely? You know, I, I would say yes, but Jason says some really good stuff. With I mean, it's going to be so... It's just... Uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's going to be Prudent, a muddy walk. Impractical? Impractical is a very good one. It's but With everything that's mixed in it and all of the boosters, like Jason said, it's going to be almost impossible. It's showing that right now. You just take it from an NCAA level. You take it from a Big Ten level where they're like, no, we're not doing football. And Nebraska goes, no, we, we want to play football. Who, who wants us right now? It's like you can't even get them to not play football, let alone Ohio how that they do their practices and stuff. It's going to be nearly impossible. The, the NCAA can't even find when when budgets give out all these this money unless they screw up so bad that the NCAA finally has to go, okay, USC, I see what you did a hundred times. We're finally going to get you for one just to make an example out of you. It's it's almost almost impossible. Well, then in that case, Eric, or conference is going to have to uh, install compliance officers at these schools in order to be able to protect the singularity of the season, in order to be able to run these, have these schools run a singular plan purpose for their seasons. Absolutely. I mean, with the conferences having the power, the burden of feasibility really relies on them. I mean, as both Jason and Randy just said, you look at the situation at USC with the NCAA. You look at the situation, and I keep referring to this, but Jason made an especially good point about political ties. The SMU scandal went all the way up to the then governor of the state of Texas. So you're going to have some level of pull no matter what. And for nobody who would really remember, the NCAA tried as a commission that was really brought upon by UCLA in the early 90s to try to meet and get a governing body for top-level football. That commission met exactly twice, and then it was shut down. So at these conferences, they were the ones that got the TV rights. They're the ones that created all of these systems. The responsibility lies on them because you are so far gone from any sort of college football czar coming in and laying a hammer down, and you have Mark Emmert, who, as a former university president, the minute that he set foot in Indianapolis, he automatically knew that he was neutered, so he's just getting a paycheck. What are you really going to do? The level of impotence is just egregious. The problem is, is that the level of incompetence is widespread throughout sports. It's not specifically an NCAA problem. 
it's a Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball problem with the issues that have come up with the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins. And it's to be a, fair, one of those teams is actually going to complete a season. Guess which one? It's a issue with hockey with Gary Bettman and the significant favoritism of the way that the season ended up panning out for certain teams, such as the Philadelphia Flyers going from a four seed to a one seed with the way that their postseason was arranged. Hey, 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 we don't talk about that, especially when I bet money on them to win the cup. Shh. Things Where are going just fine, that, thank you. Oh, well, naturally, Bovada.lv, they had some great odds. And again, if you happen to use Bitcoin, you're going to get wonderful offers as far as making your dollar go farther. Remember, bet on Bovada. Remember, we can't be bought, but we can damn sure be rented. You damn straight. Next topic. Well, from the heavy stuff, I'm kind of going to transition to... uh, How can I say this? We were turning the knob to 10. I'm turning it down to about between a 6 and a 7. And uh, I'm probably going to catch him off guard, but he looks like he's paying attention. So I'm going to head over to the Teasley files for this one. Uh, You were mentioning, Jason, a certain Bobby Sylvester and uh, the kind of things that he did that even I wouldn't do. Yeah, as everybody knows, I'm pretty much... Uh, a fantasy uh, go-to person here at W2EM. And only if we had a fantasy, uh, fantasy football podcast that was promised to me when I joined uh, on. But, uh, yeah, I will talk about... the history of executive producers is not your fault. Yeah, I want to take a... I want to take a moment. Um, and, and, you know, if people don't uh, know who Bobby Sylvester is, uh, he was... He was... Uh, the key word being a predominant uh, talking head in the fantasy football community. Uh, he was he was a huge part of fantasy pros. Uh, he was one of uh, actually is one of my go to people when I was uh, went to fantasy football advice. But let's take a look. Um, he he had a boo boo, and that's putting it mild. Uh, it's kind of it kind of sickens me to what actually occurred. But uh, recently, he is no longer um, associated with Fantasy Pros and has been kind of ostracized by the fantasy football community as a whole. Um, he sent out a very inappropriate tweet to a female uh, correspondent and fan of his Uh that I won't go into, but if you if you guys want to go in, want to go into, I, I kind of you know I I don't no. I don't want to give him more I don't want to give him more justification than what uh, has already been said. You know, a lot of people no. have washed their hands of him, but I, I'll hold on and then. Uh, but he made a very inappropriate comment. Um, why? discussing he he basically slid into a young female's dms and basically tried to leverage his status uh into a very vulgar uh interaction that as being a husband with three children and us you know i i won't bring his faith into it because 
a lot of people has attacked that. And, you know, I'm not a very religious person, so not to anyone's surprise. But everybody wants to attack his faith, and I'm not going to go down that route. I'm just going to talk to I'm just going to speak as a human being, as, as a father that I am. Um, if somebody said this to my daughter, I don't care what age she is. Uh, I would be highly, um, highly, highly um, pissed off in, in layman's terms. Because, one, you should never... I mean, it's all good in getting things saying cer- certain things in private when you know the person or have an intimate relationship with the person. But just to start a conversation, uh, exploiting your, your prowess in as a quote-unquote pseudo-celebrity. But anyway... Uh, Apologies for that there. We had some issues with some um, audio interference due to a fan. It's warm, unseasonably. And yes, this was a fan that was not included at the joke at the game in the arena in Toronto. Otherwise, there would have been five of them. Nor, Nor is this the fan that Bobby Sylvester sexually advanced on, Jason. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, as a father... And as a human, uh, I think it was kind of a dick move to try to use your pseudo stardom and leverage a young lady into a conversation that he he did and say some of the things he did. Like I said, granted, some things you say to someone that you're in a close relationship with or proximity to or have some sort of relationship with, I could see. But starting out the conversation and being a father and a husband, and you start out the conversation like that, and you slide into someone's DM, that abrasive, I have an issue with. Okay, Jason's too polite to put this guy fully on blast. Here's the thing. I'm not. Direct quote. You'll be glad you accepted this message. Make good money. 200,000 plus who listen to my podcast think I'm funny. And I know how to fucking tease a pussy real good. Um, Eric, question for you. Shoot. Do you remember the song that I sent you on Facebook a few week, a few days ago? Mm-hmm. If ever there was a guy who could facilitate that song... It's Bobby Sylvester. I entirely agree. And I'm just going to say this out here from my perspective. Yes, I have been known to do some things. Yes, I have delved into some very, okay, not very, but for some deep, dark realms of seediness. There are still, yeah, there are still lines that I do not cross. Anytime I am sliding into someone's DMs or on Snapchat or on Telegram or on Kick or on WhatsApp, whatever the media, I always establish that relationship, like Jason said, 
get that level of intimacy. Get that consent. Because, yes, it's a lot sexier than people realize. You don't just do that leveraging any kind of position of power just because you have power. And while I am not a father, I am an uncle. I have a 12-year-old nephew. And if I ever heard him or saw that he was doing something like that, no matter where he was, I would find my way to him and smack him upside the head and say, you don't do that. We're sitting down and we're having a conversation and then another conversation and then another to make sure. I'm sorry. This is the entirely wrong way to go about this. And for whatever micro or pseudo celebrity status that you have, good luck keeping that because a lot bigger men are in that same position and are going to quite possibly crash even harder. Dun dun dun! Dramatic reverb. <laughs> Hashtag um, semi deep tease. Here's the thing. Here, and then Randy, I want to get your thoughts on this as the father of a young girl. Here's the thing. To quote the song that I, me and Eric were discussing, there was a video that was making the rounds on Facebook. Try Jesus, but not me, because I throw hands. Mm-hmm. That is an absolute way to catch an ass whooping. Randy, I mentioned you coming into the scene right after I quote that there, because as a father of a young girl, Jason, even as a father of a teenager here, the Sheer amount of disrespect shown to your daughter. That's a quick way for somebody to end up buried in your backyard, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I want to take it in a different direction and praise this young female for just outing him. I think that's what we need to see more of with the whole Me Too movement and all these things. We've seen, Harry, obviously, as wrestling fans, we've seen that a lot in that industry. The gaming industry is seeing it. The gaming industry has been saying that a lot recently. I absolutely applaud her for for just, you know what? You said something really stupid. Here, I'm just going to blast you on it. Go for it. I'm, I'm just going to show you your seediness. I'm not going to fall for it, and I'm not going to just ignore it and let you do it to somebody else. So I completely applaud her, and if that would ever happen to my daughter, I hope not only she, would she tell me, but she would just put that guy on blast. So uh, big applause to her. And if I you two need someone to come up and deliver it's a an... quick two piece, call me. No, I mean I want to I want to take this into a uh, uh, expound upon it. I mean uh, I want to you know I want to share a personal story which I don't do very often. Uh, recently had a issue with my daughter, uh, her stepsister, who wants nothing to do with her has develop a very jealous thing and the first thing my daughter done is when being harassed she came to me and i i do like knowing that my daughter has that comfort zone but what the, the way i want to get away from the fan i'm not i'm not by her now i promise all right but the way I want to take this in and, you know, I want to I want to see what you guys think of, especially, you know, Randy's got a bigger, bigger presence on online than I do. Uh, but are, as a cop, be 
will be so um, basically famous. Pause the show. Okay, you guys heard the pause of the show, I'm sure, because there was no way for me to subtly do that there. Um, I am a Spectrum customer, and occasionally Spectrum hates me. It just so happens that it tends to hate me more during podcasts, and specifically ones that are done through Skype. Jason, I apologize for interrupting your train of thought, and I allow you to once again try to conduct it here. Wait, before you do, I will say, because now, with this being an Ohio thing... And a Spectrum customer I know in Indiana, I think just Spectrum hates anything from West Virginia. So, Jason, you and your company feel free to blame them. Take them over, if you will. Continue. All right. Well, what I was, uh, I was, the point I was, uh, I was making is, uh, as a society, are are we cultivating things like this? Because we are making people pseudo-famous for absolutely nothing. Uh, we're making them famous and giving them more power and making them think they're more important to the world than they actually are. And we're giving them power, and it's going to their heads so they can treat. They feel that, oh, I have all these followers online. They're not necessarily friends, and we've lost that actual physical interaction and social interaction that you know all of all three of all four of us grew up having that if we said something like that to a to a female we would have somebody you know her brother cousin uncle something confronting us and you would never say that uh, in person but or, now we have or a- in my case the female herself long story yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, trust me, I'm from West Virginia. There's some, there's some women that's uh, more manly than I am. So, you know, my wife being one of them, my wife would put her foot in somebody's ass. Five uh, feet of fury. We've always talked about that. But, I mean, a lot of people like to hide behind a keyboard and think they're invincible while hiding that's- behind a keyboard. And based on everything that's coming out, not only the Me Too movement, but we're seeing a lot of things, other things that are being brought to the light that people never thought they would be due to social media, due to um, a lot of hashtagging going on. And we're seeing everybody's skeletons come to light. So I want to pose this question to you guys. Is this the culture that we have become accustomed to and we've helped cultivate and make by making people seem like they're above everything else because they have followers and they are social media presence i'm actually going to answer your question with a statement that i've heard before social media has a strange way of making people unafraid of the harsh reality of getting punched in the face because i guarantee you A lot of the people that say stuff when they're on a computer or when they're sending out a tweet or when they're texting something to like a Snapchat or an Instagram or whatever the fuck kind of following program you want to talk about, 
they know that there's going to be no real ramifications because they can say this and be anonymous to an extent because they're hidden behind a screen name, they're hidden behind a username, they're hidden behind an IP address and not face-to-face directly with the person. It has gotten to the point now where people are much more comfortable revealing how they actually feel because they think that they can get away with it these days because of the anonymity involved with social media and the anonymity involved with the usage of usernames and different personas and character caricatures that we come up with for our online character. This right here, what you hear on this show, this is me, regardless of who I am. I'm not going to change my opinion when I talk to you face-to-face in person because that's not who I am. But there are a lot of people who will do that because they realize that the thoughts and expressions that they do share are thoughts and expressions that would get their ass beat in real life. Yeah, and just to, to more compound on what Jason was talking about, it's not just that, that people are hiding behind the keyboard and, and being able to say what they want. What Jason was mentioning, and I totally agree with, is we've kind of cultivated that whole numbers mentality that I have X amount of followers or I have X amount of subscribers on this, so I'm above everybody and I can just act the way I want. I got, I mean, completely different topic. It has nothing to do with sexuality or anything, but got into a, an argument with somebody on a Facebook group, some baseball thing, where I just had mentioned that, you know, somebody had posted one of their own articles on there, but was made it sound like, oh, I, look what I found. This is a great article. So I just, I, I flipped some shit about it, and they just started going off on me. It was like, oh, just stop trying to make him mess with his living and stuff. And so I'm like, just, just call out that it's yours, and I have no problem with it. And he's like, well, we have 2 million followers. I don't care. I don't care about your numbers. I don't care about my numbers. But as Jason said, that is the world we live in. People no longer associate or or look at their self-worth as this is what I've done in my life and this is the job I have. It is this is how many followers I have and this is how many TikTok people I have. And that makes me better than people. And yes, we have kind of cultivated that society, but I do believe in the last year or so, it has hit a, a peaking point, and we're starting to see the ramifications of it. And I like more and more that people are stepping out and 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 calling those people out. I'm Eric hop- has real, real quick, real quick, real quick. Eric hasn't said anything yet, and then you can follow up to what Randy well, said. Well, this will set Eric up perfectly, I do believe, um, because you know me and Eric's talked. You know me, everybody. If everybody doesn't know me and Eric are actually pretty close, as I am with mm-hmm. Harry, and I'm becoming really close with Randy since him he's joined the show, and I've got to know him. But um, this will be a good segue to Eric, um, and. The issue that I have is uh, Eric knows our numbers. Eric is, you know, he's pretty much our our go-to guy when we go numbers and stuff. Him and Sean see it, just about everything. So this is the issue that I have, and this is, you know, it compounds on the conversation. You see a lot of kids today, uh, and it's sad, that get bullied and to the point where you know, they harm themselves and stuff because we have we have brought to light that the the more followers, the more likes and everything you have is determines your self-worth. And I think that that's really shitty. Uh, I think you should be judged on your character, 
not by the fake friends you have. Now, I can say these three guys on this podcast are my friends. Yeah, we we live in various parts of the country. We uh, speak all the time. We interact. There's things that we agree on, things we disagree on. But like Harry said, the people you see on this show is actually us. I'm a drunk asshole most of the time. That's given. I'm very non-PC, but I'm very blunt. You never have to question where you stand with me. Uh, and I think that we need to take our our this generation and we need to enlighten them about your self-worth isn't determined by the likes you have and the fake friends you have online. It's the people that you can call on at any time and you can depend on to bail you out and be there for one another when your days are darkest. Like, you know, like Harry, Eric, and um, Randy will be for me. So, Eric, I want, I want to pass it on over to you. I just wanted to get that quick thing in because I know you can expound on that a little bit better than I can. And thank you for that segue because... Segue! You are absolutely right. Thank you, Harry. I mm-hmm. will never forget what my Spanish teacher, Senora Stibe, beautiful woman, long retired, sweetest people She had had she was my high school Spanish teacher. I took her husband for chemistry, a couple other classes, love them. She said to all of us, all of these people on social media and all these other ones, even in really real life. They are acquaintances. As you go through your entire life, you will most likely be able to count on one hand the people that you can legitimately consider friends. All of these things, they are numbers, and they are just basically generated by an algorithm. Are they people that you can randomly talk to If you're feeling some type of way at 3 in the morning, no. Are they people who will come drop whatever they're doing, help you out with projects, talk you off of ledges or whatever? No. They're just there fulfilling whatever needs they have to compensate from their lives. They're not really doing it to help you. They're doing it to help themselves. And I think the real problem with the proliferation of data and of all of these things with social media, Jason said it best, all of these numbers, and Randy said, oh, I have these many more followers than you do, I'm better than you are. The day where people who even 20 years ago who would be known for nothing who would have to scratch and claw like each of us to make a living some way or another, get paid just for an Instagram post or a tweet or what have you, that day and that kind of methodology for distribution of God knows what, that's what was the latest thing that just took us down. Wait, where is that noise coming from again? 
Um, I don't know. Hold on. Let me. I think what it is is I think because I have the uh, the secondary tablet open and it's picking up static from it. Is it gone now? Yes, it is. Yeah. But yeah, it's because the secondary tablet was open. Um, Jason, use those words. Well, they use those exact words on the show right now. Also, uh, one quick little bit like there because it kind of further tie into what Jason said. You're seeing studies that, especially among teenagers and those in their early 20s, depression rates have gone up, suicide rates have gone up, and they co- and there are very strong correlations to that increase of depression and increase of suicidal thoughts and actions related to exposure to social media. I hope and I would want to do something to fix that because that is a stepping stone to things. But again, your worth isn't for just some numbers on a screen. Your worth is for the people who are really around you, those that you know that you can rely on, and in some cases that they rely on you. Everything with the internet, as permanent as it is in some ways, you go way down the road, it's still just temporary. Ones and zeros and with quantum stuff, all kinds of bits and bytes and everything. That disappears. That gets written over. What kind of marks are you going to make that can be permanent? That's how you should really measure yourself. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what Harry was referring to and saying, use those words, um, it's basically a parasitic society that we're living in. Uh, we feed we feed off of others' emotions and approval. And if we feel like we're not getting the approval of others, uh, our peers, that we're not worth anything. And it does cause a great depression and, you know, self-harm and everything. And, you know, uh, in the past, I've made jokes about stuff like that, but I'm, I'm actually being serious. And I don't uh, I want to just put this out there. Um, I never want somebody to ever feel that they're not worthless. You mean something to someone, whether it's online. If you don't have the online followers that you feel that you need to or somebody talks about, well, your Instagram only has 30 some followers. Well, those 30-some followers are probably, you mean the world too, and you don't need to need to be that. Um, I want to go back to the to thing, and then I'll shut up. Uh, it's, you, you can mean, the world can mean everything to you, but you need to be the world to someone. Uh, and you need to find yourself worth before anything, because without making, without your own happiness, you you can't make those in your life happy for you. So uh, I want to close on that. I want to close my end on that because, uh, like I said, I found three great friends. I'll even go on the line and say, you know, a certain person I still consider a friend, even though we did have a bad uh, separation of ways on our friendship. If he was to ever message me and need me, I would be there because me and him did become close while he was a part of this show. I know other people have personal issues with us, but I, I, I still was, I, I still would be there if he needed me because for that time that I was, he was a part of this show. We were friends and 
I respect that, and I respect him as a as a person. Uh, professionally, is a different story, but as a person, I still consider him a friend. All right, so I'm going to kind of touch on a couple of things that were said there. Uh, you just quoted a song, actually, and I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but the song you quoted was The World by Brad Paisley. No, I've never to, heard it. To the world, you may be nothing at all, but to someone, you are the world. And we are the world, and we are God's children. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway... Um, look, all, I was actually, all, all Jason was trying to say was we're the ones to make a better place. So let's just start living. Anyway, before I lose my train of thought here, and it ends up in a wind turbine. There was a different song that I was actually going to quote, because when we did our last talk, our last let's talk about it episode, you guys will remember, I quoted Maynard James Keenan three different times. This particular time, I'm going to quote Brian Warner, professionally known as Marilyn Manson. That's his real name? This is a black collar song. Stick your middle finger up and sing along. Use your fists and not your mouth. Society needs more people like that. Less jaw jacking. More truthing, more reality. You you mentioned the whole that you meet a lot of acquaintances, but you meet very few friends. You guys will remember a couple of weeks ago we did the show, we did the uh, the podcast, and the episode was dedicated to the memory of one of my wrestling buddies, Eli Thomas, Tom Troll Jr. There is a man who I met through that wrestling company. His name is Jason Kunkel. He has been one of my best friends for the better part of the last decade. I actually just spent the day-to-day hanging out with him. And we got into a conversation about what happened when Tom passed. And we were talking about that there are only two days in your life where everybody loves you. The day that you're born and the day that you die. And that for everybody who's going to express those fake sympathies on the day that you die, I would rather have – we put it into a financial comparison – When it comes to the value of friendships, I would rather have five dimes than 50 pennies. I would rather have five people who I knew I could absolutely trust and knew that if anything were to happen and if the shit were to hit the proverbial fan, specifically one that's plugged in over here in this apartment apparently, (laughs) that they would have my back no matter what. That if I had an issue where my anxiety was getting the better of me at 2.30 in the morning, that I could send a message to Eric Watkins. That I could send a message to Jason Teasley. I'd like to think eventually we'll reach the point that I could send a message to Randy Isbell. And let them know that I'm feeling a certain kind of way, and they'll be there to talk me off of that ledge. They'll be there to talk me down and get me back to a more rational, calm train of thought. I'd, I'd be telling you to do a flip. My fat ass ain't flipping anywhere, Jason, and we both know that. Look, Harry, man, you know the kind of conversations we get into at 2.30 in the morning. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, that's the damn truth. That's for yeah, sure. Um, so just um, that might be sprinkled in a little bit in that situation. <laughs> just to head uh, up. 
Eric, did you see what I posted in the group chat? Because I think that given the tone and tenure of the conversation, this is a good place to stop. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I want Andy to weigh in on this a little bit. He hasn't uh, really. He did. Uh, I, I want Andy to close out the show uh, with his thoughts on, because me, you, and Eric kind of dominated that conversation. So, uh, Eric, Eric, do you care if Randy closes out the show before you wrap up? Yeah, absolutely, because I only got, like, really one more intertwined topic, and we can cover that on our next episode. Hey, okay. hey, yeah. hey, hey, Damn it, gonna, that is automatic now. <laughs> we're going to need it. We're going to need a news desk for our greatest of all teams finale, so let's save the last two topics that we have there for the news desk for the greatest of all teams. Gotcha. Randy, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to kind of touch on a little bit more of what you guys have been talking about, and yeah, Harry put it perfectly with the whole five dimes instead of 50 pennies and stuff. And honestly, that's something that I dealt with for a really long time, especially in high school. I mean, E4 social media was even a thing. And it's something that I, I think I still deal with now. And it, it worries me for like my son, my son's 12 and he's way into that Fortnite stuff and way into the YouTube stuff. And, and he always gets on me about, he wants to do YouTube and, and, and stuff. And I always try to, to push him away from that. Not, that I'm worried of like the comments he'll get on anything like that, but just because he'll become too self-dependent on those numbers. Uh, I, I tend to, I have really bad self-esteem myself and I, I, I've dealt with that for a long time, but I've done a good, as far as podcast goes and my YouTube stuff that I do sporadically is like, it's never going to be big. And if it gets big, cool, but if I whether I get five views or thirty views, I know I'm just doing this stuff for fun. I'm I'm on here so I can talk with three people that I don't know super well about football and sports and bullshit and stuff. I was doing the football or the wrestling stuff on YouTube for a bit, just so it was giving me an excuse to watch old wrestling stuff with some friends. And I think as long as as if if anyone can take anything from any of these conversations, or at least this last one, as long as you know that whatever you're doing for YouTube or Instagram or, or Twitter or anything like that, it's something you're passionate about and you're having fun with. The numbers mean shit. Hey, th this conversation has been more than, than the rest of it. And these are from three guys that I, I just met Jason what, a month ago, a month and a half ago. I've yeah. known Harry and Harry and Eric a little bit up, off and on from stuff. I've done some podcasts with Eric. Harry's helped me do a project before. I, this is the most meaningful conversation I've had other than my closest friends. So it's meant the world to me, you guys. And I hope everyone else has been able to listen and, and, so what? and has gotten through this podcast, has gotten something yeah, from so well. Because, again, the numbers mean shit. Just have fun with it. Do it as, okay. as a side project. Like Wait, The way I look at it with, with this kind of podcast it's just four of us bullshitting the whole time. The like nobody's gonna take us super seriously, and they shouldn't. And I don't take us seriously either. We're we're here having a good time, wanting to talk sports, and and sometimes you have some serious conversations out of it. And it's been really really fun to listen to you guys. Thank you. Um, Eric, do me a favor, unmute yourself for a second because I have a question for you. Yeah, just had a side conversation with Mama Watkins. What's up? <laughs> That's fine. Shout out to Mama Watkins. Hi, Mama Watkins. Well, she's left now. <laughs> That's fine. When she listens to the episode, she'll hear the shout-out. I don't know. She'll listen to this episode. One of the main things she literally just asked me was, am I behaving myself? 
um ish we'll go with all right um so i'm gonna close the show a little bit salty here eric you know why why because this is the exact reason we called this episode let's talk about it part two yeah it fits because you always gotta remember wissy wig what you see is what you get we like to have fun we like to shoot the shit. We like to have the kind of conversations that you would expect four friends to have in a bar while watching a football game. But like Randy just said, sometimes in the conversations you have with your friends inside of a bar, it gets serious. It mm-hmm. gets important. It gets deep. It gets philosophical. And it gets viable to our survival as humanity. Because it allows us to explain what we're feeling in a situation where we don't feel pressure to hide how we feel about things. We have to talk about it. Exactly. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. And that's really important. Because in today's society, we're all like volcanoes. It's always best to have the little fissures in things before you get some sort of grand eruption. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, Well, I want to close out this show on my behalf a little bit differently than I typically do uh, because of the magnitude of the conversation that we had here at the end. Uh, If anybody does listen to this, uh, I want to go out on, on a limb here and say, you know, I tease and joke around this, but if you are struggling with anything and you just need somebody that is non-judgmental, that is there, that you want to shoot a message to and just feel that you can open up, not judgmental, because sometimes it's uh, easier to talk to a stranger. Hit me up on my uh, Twitter account, W2N Chairman, uh, and just say, hey, look, I listen to the show. I kind of want, you know, I'm struggling with something, you know, I I feel that I'd be more comfortable talking to somebody that doesn't know me, that won't judge me. Uh, I'll be more than happy to conversate with you because sometimes those conversations can turn into friendships, just like Randy was uh, speaking on. You know, I don't know. I don't know Randy very much. Uh, We've interacted through the podcast and things, but he is closely, he is growing to be one of my closer friends and all because he joined three other assholes to talk sports. But if you do, if you do struggle with something and you need to reach out, feel free to reach out to me on my Twitter and I'll be more than happy to talk to you and, you know, be that listening ear that, you know, that some people may need out there. Jason's made the joke before, but in all sincerity, if you or anyone, you know, is having any kind of thoughts about self-harm, physical harm or harm towards others, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-TALK. Talk about it. Now, I believe they also have a text line if you're not entirely comfortable as far as talking on the phone. So there is a variety of resources available. Normally, we would go into our own personal plugs here. Seems kind of condescending to do that after having the conversation about the importance or lack thereof of social media. 
we will say that we will request that you guys check out the show on all of your favorite listening services. Eric is at Squid Sports Head on Twitter. Randy is at Randy Isbell. Jason is at W2M Chairman. I'm at HEB the Eagle. That's all we'll have to say about that right now. If you need to get a, if you like Jason said, if you need somebody to talk to and would feel more comfortable talking to a stranger about it, Jason said he's available. I'm available. I'm on Facebook. You'll find me under my real name, Harry Broadhurst. Eric is one of the most insightful men I know. I'm sure he would be willing to talk as well. I always offer an open ear just because that's how I am. Randy, if you're willing to do the same as well, people can find you on yeah. Facebook under your under your real name yeah, as well. Absolutely. Facebook is under my real name. Twitter's under my real name. I don't hide myself. If you, if you need to talk, I'm here. I'm at ATB the Eagle literally everywhere if you want to get a hold of me. It is, the username has not changed since I was in high school. It will not change. Let's talk about it. You have been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. Let's talk about it. Yeah, and by the way, don't be a dick. (coughs) Thanks for listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.